Hey, everyone. Kara here from The Kara Golden Show. Look, I've started and scaled companies, but when I first started podcasting, figuring out the workflow for this business was a real challenge. There were so many moving parts that I needed to learn from scheduling and recording to editing and promoting each episode. But once I streamlined the process, things got easier. I was able to focus more on bringing in amazing guests and delivering great content, which was such a relief. Thinking about this experience reminded me of the challenges many face managing their business every day. Whether you are the CEO or working supporting one, you need the right tools to streamline processes, especially when it comes to shipping and handling orders. That's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation makes it easy to manage your shipments from all your sales channels. ShipStation automates tasks, prints shipping labels in bulk, and keeps your customers informed, freeing up your time to focus on growing your business. If you're looking for a way to simplify shipping and make your business more efficient, ShipStation is the solution. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time too. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me and my team to manage orders from anywhere, print shipping labels from just a click. Yes, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable with discounts up to 89% off carrier rates. And who wouldn't want that? Plus, an easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses as well? ShipStation just makes it easier so your business can grow. And yes, even when you're on your summer vacation, ShipStation is it. Work less and ship more with ShipStation, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA, K-A-R-A, to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Alexandra Fine. Uh, We're going to call her Al, though, because that is what she goes by. And uh, she is the co-founder and CEO of Dame, which is a leading brand for sexual wellness. Okay, everybody, if that is too shocking for you, then you should leave right now. But this is going to be a great episode for sure. Uh, So now famous for their 2016 Kickstarter campaign, which was the first ever 
for a sex toy for Kickstarter. Uh, Alex and her co-founder, Janet Lieberman, had the most crowdfunded sex toy to date. And as one of the fastest growing companies in the space, Dame brings much needed education to customers around the world and ultimately end the pleasure gap as well. I can't wait to speak to Al uh, a little bit more about this and all of the stuff that she's doing in the space. So really, really exciting. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So how the heck did you decide to start this company? Tell me a little bit more about who you were as, uh, who was Al as a kid? I mean, what were you thinking you were going to do ultimately? I was a very confident child. I think I'd always been, um, I usually joke, I tell people I'm horny for life. I don't know if this is the uh, <laughs> appropriate platform, but I was always, you know, really like if I'm going to do something, I just wanted to, you know, I had big dreams as a little girl. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to do everything and thought I could do everything. Um, and still sometimes think I can. And I, I, I think so many things brought me to the work that, that I'm, I'm doing, but I often tell this story of when I was six years old, my, I had a cool aunt that lived in Manhattan and I got to stay with her over a weekend. And I went and and met some of her friends at this party and there were a bunch of drag queens there who, you know, when you're six, like kids, you have questions and you don't have judgments that are tied to it. And I got great answers about gender and sexuality I went back to show and tell to my first grade class, explained the difference between being a drag queen versus being transgender, and I got in trouble. And I think that that was like the beginning of, like, there's this thing that's important in the world that, I'm, that we're not talking about, and that just nobody was able to explain why. And I think that really got me started on this journey towards sexual wellness. And then, of course, as a, of course, but... You know, when I became a more sexually curious person, I felt very much like my curiosity was being really held down by um, the ideas of what girls were supposed to do and not supposed to do. And uh, while my guy friends didn't seem to have that same experience, and I think that, again, just really was like, why? What's going on? And mind you, when I was... In middle school, Samantha on Sex in the City existed. Um, so on the one hand, I was being given this, the idea that like there, you can be this sexually liberated woman and we can do whatever the guys want to do, whether we should have wanted to or not, I don't know. But then in my, you know, my 13-year-old experience at the time was not that. Um, so I was just really interested in the space. I also come from entrepreneurs. So I think that was really um, helpful in my desire to start a business. I went to college. I did psychology, women, gender studies, art, and business. And my mom was like, those things don't go together. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I was just following my passions and my interests. I got my master's in clinical psychology thinking I wanted to be like the next Dr. Ruth. Felt way too impatient to get my PhD. Flash impatience is generally not a great quality for a therapist. And I ended up working in a consumer goods brand that was three people. We sold all natural baby shampoo. 
which I absolutely loved. And that's when I realized like, oh, wow, I could really make an impact in the world through business. And where do I want to make an impact? Oh, I've always wanted to make an impact in sexuality. 90% of my friends own vibrators, but the marketing and the innovation still felt very much tied to pornography and this like, I, you know, the male gaze, this lewd idea of what sex was supposed to be. There was no brand on Instagram we wanted to follow. So I thought, oh, I could start one. And then I really quickly was just able to come up with a, such a unique concept that I was awarded a utility patent for it. Um, I met an MIT trained mechanical engineer who was able to take that concept, Eva, and turn it into a reality. We launched it on uh, a crowdfunding site and raised $575,000 in 45 days. And the rest is history. Except it, it's not, I mean, it's, history. it's I, all history. I love it. So so that was your Kickstarter campaign. Actually, that was my Indiegogo campaign. So I did an Indiegogo okay. campaign. And then, because Kickstarter wouldn't let me use their platform. And then my second campaign was on Kickstarter. And we raised about $400,000 there. And we were able to convince Kickstarter that we were the type of brand they wanted to support. So interesting. So let's go back to the Indiegogo. So yeah. how, like, how were you surprised when you launched it? I mean, did you, what was, what was Remember like your goal? Remember how I described you... little Al as like having really big dreams and big ideas? Like, yeah. was I surprised? Oh, there was definitely a part of me that was like, I told you so. Like, this was my full-time job. I had already taken the plunge and was working full-time on this project. And I really believed in it. I did, I put on, like our goal was $50,000. My personal goal was $150,000. I thought, okay, there has been another campaign called the Auto Blow, which raised $270,000. And I thought, wow. well, I should be able, I mean, I could beat them, but, you know, I never, I was amazed. It was amazing. I, there was no, piece of paper that I had written down where I thought I would do that much, except somewhere deep within me. And I thought could take over the world. I love it. That is, that's so great. So then Eve launches and then, uh, and then when did the Kickstarter campaign, what was, what was in between Eve and, and, and the Kickstarter campaign? Game? So the Indiegogo campaign was for our first prize, Eva. It took us about six plus months to really, ship out, we ended up having 10,000 pre-orders. So it just wow. took a long time for us to actually ship all 10,000 units. And um, we started shipping them in March and finished in like June, July. There was a lot of just manufacturing, getting the product right. Um, we started selling in some wholesale channels. Uh, we figured out what our brand was because, you know, at first we were just selling them in these little black boxes. Um, we didn't know who we were visually. And by 2016, we, you know, it took us some time to start developing our second product, which is thin. It's a finger vibrator. So it's a vibrator you can wear on your hands. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're getting probably close to doing $2 million in sales annually at that point. Um, wow. But we still like really needed 
the cash in order to manufacture the next round to, to start thin production yeah. line. It's, you know, so expensive to make these products. The uh, inventory cost is pretty high and because the MOQs are really high. So it was just amazing to be able to get on Kickstarter or these crowdfunding platforms even existed because it allowed me to get money in the door before I actually manufactured the product. So beyond the Kickstarter campaign, then you're, you're at this point, uh, a direct to consumer company, right? You want to get the product out there. And, uh, it's obviously around, uh, an industry that not a lot of people, um, are wanting to talk about. You probably had platforms that, uh, were like, forget it. We're not going to allow this to actually you know, be advertised. And, and so how do you acquire customers then? I mean, what, how did you figure that hurdle out? Well, what's interesting is right out of the gate with Indiegogo, um, which was a platform that did allow us on there and a yeah. platform that really just, you know, if your if your campaign was going well, they would promote your campaign and we were going well. So, um, and, and we found a lot of people also through press. So, putting out our story, sharing our why loud, um, which, you know, women are four times more likely than men to say that sex has been not at all pleasurable in the past year. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why, why women need to have bad sex, painful sex, um, and not just enjoy the, the pleasures of life. So yeah, just sharing that. We did a lot of press and now we do a lot. We still do a lot of press, do a lot of podcasts, advertising on podcasts and really just finding partners that understand who we are and want to support that. And that's how we find customers. Did you ever run into kind of hurdles around competitors had been out there um, and this product didn't work or trying to educate and overcome competitors that maybe had done it wrong or had a had sort yeah. of given a bad name for your industry overall. <laughs> yes, in so many different ways. The, you know, I, I think it was really less the competitors and more the policies and systems that were in place. They're pretty much mm-hmm. sexual vibrators in general were originally targeted and sold to women in women's magazines as like rejuvenating products, like, feel fresh and young, circulate your blood flow. Um, they were kind of way more in line with what we feel like today is the wellness movement. Um, and then because of pornography and um, indecency like laws, they ended up having to be sold through the same channels that porn was sold. Hmm. So it became really synonymous with pornography and kind of the people who were making porn so there was just a lot of other businesses that didn't want to touch us or sell, you know, I've had banks turn us down. I haven't been able to get SBA loans. I have had so many just challenges. And I do think that there were probably people who had experiences with the industry that made it a high risk industry. But I think it was less that my competitors did anything and more just the taboo and fear we have around sexuality. Hiring great employees and keeping them is part of the growth plan for your business. 
Trinet offers full-service HR solutions tailored to small and medium-sized businesses so you can retain talent and grow. We're talking access to top benefits, help with compliance and payroll, even when your team is remote or out of state. The works. Because Trinet gets it. Your people matter to your business. Learn more about their HR solutions at trinet.com slash podcast. That's T-R-I-N-E-T dot com slash podcast. Trinet. Incredible starts here. Every 28 seconds, an entrepreneur makes their first sale on Shopify. That's over 3,000 sales every day. One of those sales could be you. Shopify is more than an online store. It is a subscription-based software that allows you to sell your product, reach your consumers, and drive sales all from one place. Shopify also gives you detailed reports of your conversion rates, profit margins, and traffic to your page. You can then generate traffic by using Shopify's integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots and everything in between. Plus, Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has everything you need to scale your business, whether you're a brand new startup or a seasoned entrepreneur. I personally love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success with Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash Kara, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash Kara right now. That's shopify.com slash Kara. So how did you get through those hurdles? And you talked about not being able to get an SBA loan, for example. I mean, how did you, how did you push through? You know, again, it's, it's never just one thing. I think but if I'm going to try and distill it to a few, yeah. I think it, it was one, just that feeling inside of you that what you're doing matters and wanting to do it and being resilient about it and caring passionately. So I think that on some of my worst days when I was feeling really down and feeling really indignant about not being given the same platforms as my peers to grow my business and feeling like, you know, everybody's making it harder for me. Um, what was me? You know, my husband would be like, yes, and that's why you started the business. And that's so true. Like the taboo is why I started it. And that's what's holding me back. And that's why I'm also, but it's also why I love what I'm doing. So kind of just seeing that from both sides is really helpful and keeps me doing it. I've also got through it by having really great partners and support and a lot of privilege. There have definitely been times where I called my family and needed a loan. And the fact that my family was able to provide one is a real privilege. And yeah, you just keep on going. I also think that I I know that, you know, lots of people grew a business before Facebook existed. They grew businesses before venture capitalists existed. You know, like people have been growing businesses forever. And just because I don't have access to certain things, or it's harder for me to have access to advertising or venture capital dollars. That doesn't mean I I can't figure out how to make this work. No, definitely. I think that's I think that's really critical. I always go back to 
those early days too, when there were hard days, like going back to customer emails. Mm. And I would get on the phone with consumers too. And, you know, there were many days when, you know, I would have to hear no from, uh, we weren't in the planograms and people didn't know what to do with us because we were not only creating a new product, but also an entirely new category inside of an industry. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't a planogram inside of Kroger at the time. And so we would hear no. And I'd say, just create a new a new category for us. I mean, just put us in there. It'll do great. You know, all yeah. of these hurdles. And then while I was experiencing that, I would go back to these consumers who would talk to me about type 2 diabetes and how, you know, they basically thought they were really healthy, but how diet sweeteners were actually causing a lot of problems inside of them that, you know, they knew, but nobody was really talking about. And mm-hmm. so I can only imagine you would have so many emails from consumers who appreciated your product and wanted to share that with you. Yeah. I don't think it's direct to consumer. I really think it's direct to community. I think all brands are really just kind of ultimately developing community and, and growing it and cultivating it and being able to kind of remind yourself that like who you're serving mm-hmm. is really amazing. There have definitely been some marriages that have been helped by Dame and um, some just so many different stories of people at such different points in their life that what we do has made a difference for them. Um, and it, it's, it's amazing. So you finally got it into your products into Sephora. That's so exciting. Do you remember that day when you finally figured out that it was going to happen? God, I cried on the phone with them. I literally teared up on the phone because it was so important to me to be there in that store in particular. I had written it down as just like a key milestone for a day. I'm like, how would I know that I'm changing consumer understanding of the real health benefits of sexual pleasure? And I was like, oh, if mm-hmm. I can get these products in stores like Sephora, and I wrote down Sephora was just the one that came to mind. So I'll know I'm doing it. Because it's hard to, to measure consumer behavior changes and like know if you're making the impact. And so when that happened, I really felt like, wow, I've done something. Like this is changing that. And now other moments where I've changed policy, like getting Kickstarter to change their policy and let us on the platform. That was also a another moment where the brand's impact is beyond the brand. Like we are changing the way these other companies exist in the world and understand this category. Like, I don't know, maybe in 20 years from now, Sephora will have a huge sexual wellness and intimate care section. And that will, you know, all of those other entrepreneurs will have been impacted by something that Dame did. And that's really cool. Yeah, no, that's, I I love it. We'll talk about changing policy. Uh, One of the things that that, uh, I know that you've worked hard on is changing policy around the MTA, which is the New York subway system and some of the advertising that they allow. So can you share a little bit about that story and sort of what you encountered and trying to actually advertise on the, with the MTA? Yeah. So again, lots of nuance, but just high level. We wanted to run ads in the New York city subway system and they said that we could 
Um, and I was very willing to work with them. It took six months to get ads approved. I sent them the advertisements, made the ads, ordered the inventory, you know, didn't plan to spend any other ad dollar because I was going to spend money on this campaign. Um, and then when I, you know, gave, asked for the invoice, crickets, and they didn't respond for like three weeks. And then they kind of sent me a really generic email of saying that, you know, they do not and have never worked with any sexually oriented businesses. Mine, meanwhile, if you literally went on the subway that day, the moment I got that email, you would have seen advertisements for erectile dysfunction medication. You would have seen advertisements for an amazing museum in New York City called the Museum of Sex, which has a huge gift shop that happens to sell our products. You would, you would also see advertisements for non-sexual businesses that use sex to sell their products. I actually think one of my favorite ads I saw while in litigation or in, during the lawsuit was an advertisement for a moving company. And it said, we will move your children's toys and your adult toys too. And they were allowed to run that ad, but I wasn't allowed to run an advertisement actually for the adult products. Um, mind you, I, uh, these advertisements were very, you know, they said, one said we made toys for sex and they said that was fine. I was, I was really willing to compromise and you know I, my yeah. goal isn't to make people uncomfortable my goal is to make people comfortable with it with you know a part of who they are that does maybe make them a little uncomfortable so they wouldn't let me run the ads and I sued them because they are a government-backed agency so they need to if they have a policy they need to make sure that they're doling out that policy consistently and they were not. And about two and a half years later, we were able to run advertisements on the subway. Wow, that's incredible. And hopefully other people, uh, like you said, will be able to advertise as well in, in the space too, because I think you're absolutely right. It's, um, it should not be, uh, you should not be singled out because you are uh, a female products company. Um, yeah. I think it's really, really important. So that's incredible that you really pushed that and took the time to do it. It took you two and a half years though. I think that's right. Yeah. June, yeah. 2019. And then, yeah. Crazy. That is absolutely nuts. So uh, our society's view on sex is still very stigmatized. So how has the stigma affected your ability to raise money as you've been trying to grow? I mean, we're just kind of touching on some of the issues outside of raising capital. And I will say all of those issues also then impact my ability to raise capital. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll probably go into that two more later. But one of the biggest ways is just LP concerns. And so a, a really common thing that I'll experience is people saying something to the effect, well, obviously, I know this is fine. Like, I know this is fine. But what, what will our LPs think? Oh, I know mm -hmm. this is fine. But you know, like, I, you know, what will everybody else on our platform think? Like maybe Kickstarter was worried about all of their, their community getting upset. So, you know, I, and I think that that's really what happens in, with funds when it comes to raising capital. I definitely get, you know, behind the scenes looks and are, are, first of all, I just want to start with saying it's really hard to raise capital, period. It's really hard. It's, it's hard no matter what. I think it's also especially hard if you're in consumer goods. I think that it is a little bit easier 
that, you know, or especially in venture capital in the early stages of your business, if it's a SaaS or technology-based product. So those are also true. But when I look at so many of my experiences, I had female partners that were advocating for us and male partners that ultimately were part of the voting against investing in us. And that's just a common, there's something happening there. It's just a pattern, right? Like I'm not, you know, it's not, I, I don't know. My, my point is, is that the taboo, especially around female sexual pleasure has been hard off in raising money. It's also yeah. been, it's also shifted. It's also changed yeah. so much in the past seven years and people are so much more excited about it now. And it's really cool. Yeah. Well, and without you actually doing the hard stuff right now, it won't get easier. Right. And yeah. If, if, right. And so you, and so I think that there's for you to even be able to say that in the last seven years, it's gotten slightly easier. I think that it's, it, that's, that's a powerful thing, but is it easy? I, I can't imagine it is. No, but easier. Like I can definitely think about what it was like trying to raise money in 2015 versus 2020. And it has just each time it's gotten, I get so much more traction. Of course, the business is further along, but also just the amount of time. I've even had funds that originally said, oh, we don't want to invest in this category. Say they will. That's not a problem anymore. That's great. I love it. So one of the things that I always ask our guests is to share a story where they've really hit a challenge or, you know, they had those days. We all have had them as, as entrepreneurs and leaders where we're not sure how we're going to get through. And, uh, and then we do. And can you sort of share one of those stories? Yes. Um, So in 2018, I was running advertisements on Facebook. And I was kind of getting around the policy because we weren't allowed to promote sex toys by promoting myself as an entrepreneur. I'm saying like, thank you so much to the New York Times for featuring me and then linking to the New York Times article or same thing like BBC or W Magazine. Um, And that was great. I was making lots of money. It was scaling. I was ordering more product because it was going so well. And then all of a sudden, Facebook started shutting off the ads, saying that the New York Times article was inappropriate because the New York Times article talked about sex toys. So all of a sudden, I had all this inventory coming in. I couldn't I run advertisements in the main place I was running advertisements. And I was in a real cash bind. Um, and, you know, it sucked. It sucked a lot. It sucked for the growth manager who I had just hired to take over running the ads because it was going so well, you know, talk about being in a tough position. And um, that was really challenging. Raising capital all of a sudden was really challenging because my year over, because my numbers had gone down. Um, You're like, Oh, we're going so well. What happened? And it's like something that's a little bit outside of my control. Um, And I don't know. It was really tough. It was tough. There were nights where my husband woke up to just me, like kind of sitting there crying in the bed. Um, Trying to figure it out. And how did you get through it then? A little bit. I mean, that later that year, 
the Megyn Kelly Today Show picked us up and did a story about us. And that was huge Mm -hmm. for our sales and helped us get through some of the inventory that had just come in. Hmm. And we adjusted the business. And I think that, you know, there have been moments where we have had to call our, you know, manufacturing partners and figure out payment structures that weren't Mm -hmm. what the payments we had originally agreed to. And it's something like I never, ever want to do, but I didn't even know I could do that. And then you realize, oh, we're partners. They don't want me to go out of business. They want us to figure this out together. And we were able to just like kind of pull in everybody that was going to be impacted by it. Say, hey, this is our situation. We're working really hard doing X, Y, and Z. Like how can, like, how can we make this work and beneficial for all of us? And that helped us get through it and started rebuilding our marketing channels. So, okay, we were spending like $200,000 a month on ads here and we can't spend them there like where else can we try spending money so we tried Mm -hmm. different things out which was also really scary because you are testing out ad dollar spends and and it's scary to spend a dollar that isn't making a dollar when you're that small and your cash is tight but we were able to figure it out over time and I think overall just like the core element of the like the core organic aspect of the brand was still just growing Yep. I don't know how we got through it, but man, I'm happy I'm did. through it. It's still. <laughs> yeah. And what were the lessons learned there too? I mean, for me, I think some of my big lessons learned are always try and grow your direct relationship with your audience. So like, you know, don't, for us, it's like, let's grow our email list. Like getting people, like don't have all of your mm-hmm. eggs in another basket. Like if Facebook can make whatever decisions they want. So if all of your all of your advertisements or all of your traffic is coming from one source, figure out how to diversify before that gets cut. And that's hard to do when you're small and every dollar you spend matters. But I wish I had done that and started caring more about that earlier. I wish I had realized how much the writing was on the wall in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, like I think about that, the growth manager, and what a tough position they were put in and how much I was like, we can figure it out. We can, we're, you know what? There were certain things that just weren't going to get figured out right then and there and appreciating that. I wish, I I think I maybe could have done better, but on the flip side of all of that, I just want to have a lot of compassion for myself as a boss because like, I remember thinking I was like the worst boss in the world and the worst manager. And like, I'm so I should have done this. I should have done this. But you know what? Like sometimes shit happens that's a little bit outside of your control. And that was a really good reason for my business to be not performing as well. That wasn't anything to do with like the fundamentals of my business. Like our product didn't suck. You know, it wasn't like our organic traffic was continuing to grow and I can't control everything. So I guess I would, I guess that's another lesson is just to be compassionate as you learn your lessons. I No, I love that. That's great. So Al, where can people buy Dame products besides Sephora and uh, where's the best place? Uh, The best place is dameproducts.com. Okay. Yeah. We sell vibrators, lubricants, body position pillows, arousal serums. Our focus really is on helping people connect more deeply to their pleasure and their intimacy. Um, and we want to do that in a way that 
you know, truly just feels good because feeling good is what it's all about. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thanks everyone for listening to this incredible episode. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to The Kara Golden Show where you're going to hear all kinds of stories of incredible entrepreneurs and CEOs and not only their stories, but also their lessons learned about challenges that they've had along the way. As I always tell people, it's not a straight line. Um, There are many zigzags along the way, and I think definitely Al has shared many of those. So just a reminder, I'm on lots of platforms at Kara Golden, and pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, where I share many of my zigzaggy challenges along the way as well. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of the week. And thanks again, Al. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.